our first podcast as a trio. Um, we have IFBB Pro Ashley Soden with us. Uh, just finished up the New York Pro, which is your first pro show. That's right. Right. Um, so give us like a little backstory, like how you got into bodybuilding and how you got here. Okay. All right. Well, how I got into bodybuilding. All right. We're going to rewind about three years. And I was sitting on my couch, fat as crap, 200 pounds. Oh, shit. Post C-section. Okay. And sliced open. My oh. mom was in my kitchen and she's looking at me and she's saying, you okay, Ash? You look a little uncomfortable. And I was like, you know what, Mom? I think I'm going to be a bodybuilder. And she spit her water out all over my counter. And I was like, first of all, clean that up. <laughs> okay. Second of all, watch. You watch. This is 2018. 2019, I stepped on stage for the first time at the local show, uh, the Del Marva, and I won the, uh, the open division, and I also won the overall. And that's kind of what set my trajectory in motion. Um, I stepped on stage, got that bite for competing, and I was like, oof, man, I need more of this. Uh, like competitive aspect inside of me, and um, it's, it's been a, an uphill battle ever since. <laughs> wait, I, wait, you've only been lifting since 2018? Well, I started my lifting journey uh, way before that. I wouldn't say correctly. Um, I've been lifting per, for probably about 15 years now. Of that, I would say maybe six of that was lifting correctly, using proper nutrition, learning, adapting, growing, you know, et cetera from there. Um, but yeah, I, I started bodybuilding itself in 2018, um, starting, you know, my prep, stepped on stage 2019, and uh, here we are. And you turned pro at your first national show? No, I actually missed my pro card at my first national show. That was at North Americans. So I came in second place at North Americans, missed it. They were only giving out one pro card at that show. Uh, lit a fire under my ass. Yeah. Like, you can't believe, because it was like I could taste it, you know? And uh, did another, uh, went into an improvement season, came out and then went into the uh, NPC universe. And that's where I uh, actually crossed over from figure into women's uh, physique division. Uh, came in second in women's physique division, first in figure, and got my pro card in both both divisions. She's so good, she turned pro twice. <laughs> we try, we try. Do you, do you have like an athletic background? Like growing I up? Do, okay. I do, I um, do. So, man, I was uh, an athletic plethora of, of sports uh, of many types, if you will. So I was um, in gymnastics. I did softball for, you know, a couple years. Um, I even played basketball when I was younger. It's a little odd because I'm vertically challenged. Clearly, I'm not in it now for a reason. But, you know, I just had a very athletic background. Um, but one of the uh, biggest sports that I was involved in growing up was rowing. Um, I was actually on the U.S. rowing team uh, for Dragon Boat is what it's called. And that's really what gave me, like, the, the premise of my back muscles, um, to be quite honest. Um, huh. So yeah, I don't know. I know but, you no, my knew mind's that. blown right yeah. now. And, uh, you know, later on, I was gonna ask you like, what's your favorite thing to train? Because like your back's so ridiculous. You know, Chris took that picture of you the other day, and uh, it just looks wild. And I guess it all started there. It did. Um, but you know, it's I, I really truly believe that it was a, a culmination of all of the different types of athleticisms together. Yeah. My g background in gymnastics was was also a really foundational muscle building. Um, pinpoint for when, myself. When did you stop doing gymnastics? Uh, oh man, I think I was probably like, I must have been like 15. 
Um, so it was like, I, I did that really young up until about 15 years old. My niece stopped when she was about 15 because she shattered her ankles oh. like too many times. Um, but she was so jacked. She looked like a, like a crossfitter. Like, she, you know, her back muscles were developed. Oh, yeah. You know, her legs were developed, everything. Like she was jacked. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it takes an extraordinary amount of muscle to be able to propel your body, to run as fast as you can and then propel your body into air yeah. and just hope that you have it together. <laughs> how did, once you turned pro, like how did you decide what division you wanted to compete in? Well, I took a look at my competition and I took an evaluation or at least tried to take an honest evaluation of where I would be most competitive. Um, and I also took a look at what this, each division would have in store for me as an individual. Um, what would I need to do to be successful in women's physique division versus figure um, based on my starting point? I love both divisions for different reasons. Um, I love the posing in women's physique division, and I love the femininity in the uh, figure division. So it really was like a tug of war <laughs> with my, my heart and my brain on what I wanted to do. Um, but ultimately, I deliberated with my coach, and the two of us really decided that I would be right now a lot more competitive in figure division, and so that's what we decided to go with. You think you'll stay there? I think so. I think so. Um, there's a lot of room for growth in all divisions, but really it's, there's something about the figure division, and I don't know if it's the, the art of balance between the femininity and the muscular uh, build that you need that's really required. It makes it really difficult because you can very easily come in way too striated and you can come in way too soft. And so there's this delicate art that kind of comes into that that makes it challenging and it's enticing to me, if that makes sense. No, 100%. So can you go through like, uh, like your New York Pro Prep and just the experience of doing such a big show? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, coming into the New York Prep, um, the New York Pro, my prep for that, I went into a pretty significant uh, improvement season. So what that means and what that looks like for me is bringing my calories week by week up and up and up and up until I'm basically at the point where I'm pushing as much weight as I can without trying to put on excessive amounts of fat. What kind of calories were you at? I think I was hovering right around maybe like 35 to 3,700 calories. That's good now, enough. That's, almost what you, that's probably what you eat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. That's what, that's what you eat in cow tails. Yeah, yeah, yeah cow tails, yeah. Yeah, 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 tails. yeah. You're eating rice and chicken, not even Pop-Tarts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A little different, but um, the strategy with that is is you know not going balls to the wall right out of the gate, right? So going into an improvement season, I don't just go right to those thirty five to thirty seven hundred calories, right? So um, coming out of the NPC universe is when that tr that timeline started for me, because coming out of that show, I got my pro card and I knew that I wanted to make my pro debut you know, within a year or so. Um, so how long did it take you to go from the winning your pro card to the 3,500 calories? So that was probably about a month and a half to two months. Um, we were doing weekly increases with our calorie range. So, I mean, man, pushing food like that, um, it's, uh, it's a journey, but it, you know, about two months and, uh, and then we held steady uh, right there. How for, long did you hold the maintenance phase? I would probably say about seven months. And that's when you started prep for the New York Pro? Yeah. Oh. Yep.
Yep. So had about a seven month uh, improvement season to build and really refine the muscles um, and put in the work and push that weight, you know, do the do the bodybuilding part, um, the, the part that nobody really sees. <laughs> Did you find that like recovery uh, and like strength was just so much better when you're at the 3,500 calories? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It made a big difference. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, there's really nothing like that peak off season feeling of, of being strong and having all of the energy and being able to really dig deep into those reps and into the weight and, and be able to push that. Um, when you get closer and closer to a show, it's, it's hard because strength diminishes. So naturally, you have to try and really <laughs> summon that energy from places that are just not really there. Um, right. That's the challenge. <laughs> what about like uh, food sources? Did food change at all? Like, uh, let's just say during prep, you eat chicken and rice, hypothetically. Are you just eating more chicken and rice or are your actual food um, you know, products changing? That's a great question. A little bit of both. So <clears throat> depending on the week and how my body was responding and what type of increases we were doing, um, a lot of the times it would be just in the portion sizes. Uh, however, sometimes when we were changing the macros um, here and there in, in order to be able to bring those calories up, sometimes one of those like protein sources, for example, from chicken might be changed to like a lean meat, a lean red meat, um, like steak or something like because that. Because it has a little bit more fat and right, you can right, get more exactly. calories in. So there's different strategic choices. Um, for the most part, the changes first would come from the portion sizes, and then it would come from the food sources. So I really don't like, pers and this is a personal choice, I really don't like to have too much variety in my dietary, um, in my meal plan, because it's, it's harder to stay on top of it, and it's easier to stay on top of it when it's the same types of foods. So for me, cooking rice in my rice cooker it's like I just the throw best. it in there. It's so easy. It God just becomes a habit. Machine, yes. Yeah. The uh, you know they always talk about how like Mark Zuckerberg wears like the same plain T-shirt every day, and uh, when they did articles on him on like why he does that, it's because he doesn't want to waste any time about what, having to think about what to wear. And for me personally, that's how I feel about food. Like I'll go six months without changing really what I'm eating, and my wife's just like, "How do you do this?" I'm like, "Well, I don't want to have to think about it," and it just makes life a lot easier. So I assume you're talking about kind of the same thing, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it's it's an for me, it's about convenience. Yeah, it's easier to prep. Exactly. You find the foods that work and you stick with them. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if one thing isn't working for one person, there's there's more than one way to get protein. There's more than one way to get carbohydrates. Right. So as long as you're eating the right kind of carbohydrate and you're eating the right proportions for what your body needs at the time of your goals, it doesn't matter really where you get it from as long as you're staying consistent. Um, that's my approach, at least. Do you feel like certain foods work better even though they might have the same macronutrients as others um i think it really depends yes um i'll say yes but sometimes like, so you, oh, for example like dairy products a lot of times people have like an inflammatory response um so food choice wise it may have you know fats, um, protein and carbs in there, you know, somebody who's macro oriented may try and work that in, but they may also have a bit of a higher, um, inflammatory response throughout their body. Um, so it's really individual. It's an individual, um, journey to figure out what foods I think work best for each person. Um, for me, it's, it's a lot of chicken and rice. It's really, it's like the, <laughs> so simple, <laughs> so, so simple, but it works. 
yeah. so effective, you know? Yeah. Do you, do you have any foods that you don't digest well? And do you think digestion is like a part of it? Absolutely. Um, I think digestion is key, right? So if you're putting things in your face, <laughs> you're st- sticking food in your face, right? And your body's not absorbing it, what's the point? Right. And so what you want to make sure that you're doing is having maximum bioavailability from your food that your body is actually absorbing, digesting and, and transporting those nutrients. Now, it's a hard thing to do when you really can't fully measure that. So you got to look at other factors, right? Like your bowel movements, your energy levels, um, your stomach distension or lack thereof, whether or not there's any sort of bloating occurring. So there's a lot of different ways that you can measure this. Um and so, yeah, I, I do think that it, that it has a big impact. I've officially given up on oatmeal. <laughs> I hate oatmeal. Though. You know, I love oatmeal. It's really? one of my absolute favorites. It but tastes what I, good. It fills you up. But God, does it not agree with me? Cream of rice is, uh, it does not agree with me whatsoever. Huh. I got a little story for you. Uh, in my, is this a poop story? <laughs> <laughs> it's, not a, it's not a poop story. But it was a, uh, a really bad experience with my first prep. And my first prep, I was um, every morning having cream of, uh, cream of rice. And, you know, a couple weeks into it, wasn't a big deal. But slowly, I think it was something happened where my body started developing some sort of an intolerance. And I got to a point in my first prep where it, it turned into a complete solid food aversion that was originated from the cream of rice. What ended up happening <laughs> was my body built up this I don't know, this this point wasn't right at the beginning, but it was like a couple weeks into eating it where it created this inflammatory response in my stomach lining. And then anything that I ate solid after that, it would create this this um, double this pain that would have me doubled over. I couldn't even stand up from it. And it took me a couple weeks to figure out what was even going on. Lo and behold, it was the cream of rice. Um, So. How I navigated that in my first prep was I ended up having to go onto like a liquid diet for a few weeks until my body, the the inflammatory response chilled out, yeah. <laughs> and then I was able to eat my solid foods again. Um, Do you think it was just due to over overdoing it, like too much of it, and then it know. built up? Because I actually had a similar experience with eggs. Uh, I used to eat nine whole eggs in the morning for breakfast. Um, you know, I like the fat, I like the protein, and I didn't. Re- I wasn't dieting. You know, I was competing in strength, so I didn't care. And uh, <clears throat> after a certain period of time, I would eat it. And uh, one day, I just started projectile vomiting it Ooh. back up. And I'm like, dude, what the hell is going on? Like, I couldn't control it. It was like a reflex. And you know, I was like, okay, maybe I'm sick. You know, let me try again tomorrow. You know, throw that food away. And uh, you know, it happened like three or four days in a row. And I finally just, I had to get rid of eggs. I actually couldn't digest eggs for like five years. Wow. Yeah. And then I had to bring them back. Yeah. And then I had to bring them back slowly. You know, I was doing like egg whites. You know, but I'd do like three egg whites, and then I could add in like one yolk. And over time, I could, you know, bring them back in. Now I eat them twice a day. Um, so I, I didn't know if it was something like that or, you know, I don't have any scientific, uh, explanations, but I do have some theories okay. <laughs> and I, I really think that there's something within the body if it, you know, in this type of a situation where there must be some sort of a threshold yeah. where if your body is being exposed to this thing that doesn't have, doesn't maybe digest fully or isn't fully accepted by the body or whatever, um, but maybe doesn't have that response full blown right from the start and it takes some time to build that 
I don't know, that response. Um, but this is like, of course, non-scientific Yeah, yeah. it's just anecdotal, just, like your experience. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think somebody at your level, like your experience is worth something, right? Sure, sure. Um, but what about like, uh, so we talked about diet changes. It doesn't really change. Um, what about like supplementation, like, uh, you know, protein powders, amino acids? Does any of that change from, you know, off season to, to prep? Um, a little bit. Uh, so I would say in my off season, I incorporate some creatine. Um, I like to be able to feel strong and push weight and creatine helps with that. Um, it also helps me build muscle by, you know, putting more into my workouts naturally. So, um, that's really like the biggest thing. I keep whey protein in my, um, in my diet at all times, all the way up until prep. I take, I take it out in peak week. So that's the Is only that because time. because sweetener in it? Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. the, the artificial sweeteners. And in peak week, it's about, it's, it's really just every hour to two hours eating, like carving up and eating. And, right. um, so it, a lot of the times I just remove the, um, the extra stuff, if that makes sense. Right. It's a lot of, um. Let your body have the real food, you know, whatever right. nutrients are in that little bit of food that you're eating plus all the carbs. There's a lot of manipulations that happen in peak week as well. So, um, with sodium and with water and being able to really shrink wrap the body the way that it needs to be for peaking on stage. Um, so that's also like a lot of reasons why peak week is just kind of its own little animal. How hard is it when you get to those last weeks, like mentally for you? I'll say week Three weeks out and two weeks out are, like, the hardest, in my opinion. One week out, I think it actually gets easier um, because you're so close and there's a bit of excitement and uh, you're starting to see all, like, the shrink wrapping (laughs) happening. So it's, like, motivating. Um, Two weeks out and three weeks out, it's, like, you're close enough that you can, can, like, reach out and grasp it, but you're not quite there yet. And you still have quite a lot of depletion to go through. so two weeks, three weeks, uh, usually what ha- ends up happening is we initiate, as I said, a, a pretty significant depletion to be able to come out of that and carb up through peak week. So mentally, uh, it's difficult. It's absolutely yeah, difficult. Because it's like what happens when like you're not eating and you're just like, it's nighttime and you're sitting there. Like, what do you feel? Uh, you need to go to sleep. Right. Yeah. Are, <laughs> yeah. are you a busy body? Um, in what ways? Like you, you have to always be doing something. Yeah. I can be. Um, I think a I, three quarters of the time. Yes. Um, but <clears throat> I would say I, I intentionally try not to be when I'm coming close to a show, um, because of this energy depletion yeah. and, and just how mentally strenuous it is, physically strenuous and, and all of the above. So for me, like keeping busy is the only thing that can keep me like, keep my mind off of food. So that's why I was asking, like, if you kind of keep yourself distracted, so it's not something that you're always yeah. thinking about. Because you do think about it, right? Oh yeah. Like a lot of people are like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah. well, like you're bodybuilding now, so just suck it up. Like you chose to do this, you know. But at the end of the day, like it is what it is. Like you're in a calorie deficit, deficit, and you're hungry. It right? is. It's cellular. Yeah. It's cellular. Your body is sending those signals of hunger because your body is cellularly yeah. depleted, right? And so your body is it's craving all of the super sweet stuff. So let me give an example. Cravings at, at like I am not a sweets person. Really? I really don't Even have a sweet. Even in the off season? Tea. 
Nothing. Not in the off season, really. I mean, here and there, I'll die, like a bite of this and that. But like, if I have like if you have a box of donuts, I'll take a bite of it and be like, ugh, that's a little too sweet for me. It's just not really my style. Okay. Now coming into a show, I. <laughs> I will annihilate a box of donuts. Not saying that I do, but I would like up here, right? And and it's all from what's happening on the cellular level, right? Your body is signaling to yourself that you need carbohydrates, Mm -hmm. right? Sweets, sugars, not really my thing. Coming into a show, it's all that I crave. Why? Because my body is signaling to get those quick digesting sugars, Mm -hmm. the quick digesting carbohydrates, because my body cellularly needs energy. But knowing that helps because then you can you know, take a step back and say, well, I understand what's happening here. I'm going to fight this process a little bit. I'm not going to give in to these signals that my body is now telling me I need these, the sugar. I, I can, I can smell the sugar from across the room, like go eat it. But you can internally fight that when you know what's going on. You know that it's coming from a place of being on the right path. Because I'm not that serious, you know, like I'm not competitive in bodybuilding. I just lift for fun and enjoy it. Um, you don't you know, say. <laughs> Don't be a hater. I could be a men's physique guy. He's not a bodybuilder, guys. You heard it first. I could be a men's physique guy. You hater. Um, but I like to experiment with things. I like to do extreme diets and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff just to play around. I feel like you learn from it. And, uh, you know, the more you can learn, the more you can piece together. And, you know, you're just better off overall. That's quite the hobby. What the hell else am I going to do? <laughs> I just like to play around with diets. I don't know. This, I mean, this is my life, right? I go. That's true. Um, but, you know, prior to last week when I went on vacation, I was completely carbless other than an intro you workout. You look great. I'm sorry. You look great, Thank by you. the way. Thank you. too close. So, wait. Am I a bodybuilder or not? No, yeah. but he did <laughs> He did look good. I saw his pictures on Facebook. He was looking very nice. First the shade, then yeah. the compliments. Yeah. Sliding like a, I like it. Nice. Like a real, real dilf, you know what I'm saying? But go on. Um, I'm sorry. But... But uh, so in 2017, I had a good experience with a ketogenic diet, right? Uh, I ate a lot of fat. My cholesterol got better. My testosterone got better. Um, I did that again prior to the last week when I went on vacation, right? So I went like 12 weeks without carbs other than 25 grams during uh, an intro workout. And then, uh, you know, during vacation, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's vacation, right? And like, I'm a human being. I'm not competitive. Like, it doesn't really matter. So like the first night, I just had a burger. Right. That was it. A little bit of bread completely messed me up. Uh, but then after that, every night I had ice cream and the more I had it, the more I wanted it. And like, I would think about it when I woke up, I would think, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, where are we getting ice cream? I yeah. had it all planned out the entire day. I feel like, uh, I feel like, I don't know if it's sugar or if it's carbohydrates in general after, you know, being deprived for so long. Cause prior to going on vacation, I didn't need anything. Like I could go get my wife ice cream and, bring it home and not want any of it mm-hmm. and uh but once i had it i just needed it like do you think there's any type of, of like well, steamrolling interaction there i think there's probably <clears throat> multiple things happening one you put yourself into a depletion a state of depletion so what happens when you break that is your body releases uh ghrelin so it's like stimulates the the hunger that that satisfaction that uh, you know feeling yeah. of being satisfied from eating what you're eating um, and then your, the sugar, specifically like the type of sugar that you're eating, is um, almost like a drug. Yeah. Like it releases so much dopamine in the brain, especially when your body's not used to it. So now you're also sensitized and your body is having this like, you know, um, reward pathway system where it's like trying to signal to yourself to get more. And it also could be a little bit of what we were talking about with the energy, right? So your body 
it ha- had a lack of carbohydrates. Now you have those quick carbs that come right in and shoot into your body and your body gets that. It's like, Ooh, man, we like this, right? Like <laughs> I mean, we're doing, we're doing like these waffle Sundays. Oof. Like we're doing all that stuff. So they have a place, uh, we're, we rented a house in Ocean City, New Jersey, somewhere just close. And, uh, there's a place that was down the block from us called churn house. Okay. And, uh, they take ice cream and then they grind in cereal with it. Mm-hmm. So oh, like wow. you can, it was so sweet. It was you would love it, but it was just yeah. difficult for me to eat with how sweet it was. I get at, I go down to uh, Rehoboth Beach, and they have like this uh, place that will put a piece of cheesecake in your milkshake oh, damn. and blend it up, <laughs> yeah. or brownie or red velvet cake. They'll throw it in there. That's what I do. That's Time to I go do. off the deep end for a week again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is like store. I thought that after that burger, like I thought the next morning, like. You know, the carbohydrates are going to fuel, like, my metabolism. Like, I'm going to look great. I look like shit. And then, like, I just progressively looked worse and worse each day after all that ice cream. So it it definitely didn't help me at all. Well, also, the type of carbohydrate that you're putting into your body being a sugar. um, A couple days after a a competition, for example, you know, once we get some sugar in us uh, as as competitors, um, a couple days later is typically when there's a film of water. Um, and so with high sugars always come water retention. So it could be a little bit of that. Probably had a film of water over, over your muscles. <laughs> when, uh, when I was a kid, like bodybuilding culture was literally like chicken, rice, you know, sweet potatoes, oatmeal. Mm-hmm. And like, if you're hardcore, you ate steak. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think it's weird that like bodybuilding culture, like fantasizes over like uh, junk food so much now? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a little weird. Um, I don't think that it's really promoting the right things, um, especially from a place of health. Right. And I think that there, I mean, there's definitely ways to do bodybuilding that's not healthy. Um, well, I've I think seen it's, that a lot this year. Yeah. I think yeah. it's really important to try and prioritize health within bodybuilding, um, not only for the athlete to be the best athlete that they can be, but also to feel good and to be healthy and to have, you know, the, the internal portion of your body working properly that's what actually fueled my like low carb kick was it wasn't because i wanted to do keto or anything like that i really don't give a shit about ketones Uh, i don't think it really means much to be honest with you um but i need to get my cholesterol under control and i know it worked before and i also thought i was becoming a little bit um desensitized to to carbohydrates and in order to resensitize myself i thought if i strip them for a little bit it would help um but yeah, I did notice a, a large decrease in inflammation. My joints feel a lot better. You should try it. How how long ago did you go um, no carbs, and then when did you inter- introduce them back in? Like recently? Yeah. Uh, so it was about 12 weeks prior to going on vacation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I would just do an inter-workout carb. So it was um, 25 grams of a rice carb uh, okay. from Nutristat, phenomenal product. I had five grams of creatine in it too. That was my intro along with some electrolytes. And I felt amazing when I was training. I also feel like when you're not consuming carbohydrates and then you take it in as an intro, like the pumps are just stupid. Oh, yeah. Um, like I, I felt like I was just sucking it up like a sponge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, but you know, like after going off the rails for a week, and then coming back, like, I know that I want to make a bunch of tweaks. And uh, with him doing his prep, with how romantic I am of a person, uh, I'm going to try to push my diet as much as I can all the way up until his, his meat prep. And then we can both pick out together. There you go. Because he's got to cut some weight. He's a little, a little over. Like 310. Are you? Yeah, I got to cut out the cowtails? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, all I did was like just like cut out the like the bull crap. Like I still enjoy myself on the weekend. But Where are week. you coming down from? Like three eighteen, three twenty. About there. Yeah, good looking Ryan was two fifty five. Yeah, I was a nice two sixty. <laughs> he had yeah. long hair, he had a nice did, tan. He looked, yeah. Got the flow going. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely like five. His his wife saw that and was like, I, I need him for the rest of my yeah, life. That's right. <laughs> Snatched. Yeah. Now I'm th- over three hundred pounds thanks to him. Yeah. But um well, do you take an intro? Like do you take do you you do that? Yeah. So um it it really depends. Mm-hmm. Um different I'm I'm doing a little bit of experimenting right now. I actually just recently shifted coaches and uh he's got me doing um an intro workout little blend. Um Oh man, I don't even have my protocol. It's like I within the past week like yeah. started implementing this. So I'm still at that phase where I have to like pull it up to like just keep reading it keep reading it over and over and over again because it's it's with this sport there's so much throughout Mm -hmm. the day that needs to happen from it's it's literally from sunup to sundown you're you're preparing your day right um from black coffee in the morning all the way to what you're doing before you work out all the meals everything in between hydration levels and then what you do before you go to sleep and then your quality of sleep so it's it's such a there's so many moving parts to yeah. everything at all times um, that, you know, for somebody who is, you know, getting new, newly getting into bodybuilding, my suggestion is if you have a coach, read your plan over and over and over again as much as you need to because it's going to change the next week and then it's going to change the next week and the next week or whatever it is. So um, my answer to your question is yes, I do. Could mm-hmm. I regurgitate what I do right now? No, I can't. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> You got you brought it up though. I kind of wanted to ask you this as well. Sure. Um, to women that want to get into this, do you have any like tips for like just like you? You were sitting on the couch. You're just like, I'm gonna start doing it. Like, what did you do? Made a you decision first. Right. So first, first things first is make the decision, um, yeah. and then the second thing is to act on that decision. So a lot of times people do what I like to call talking out of their ass, right? I want to do a show. I want to do this. I want to do that. But they're not really willing to seek out the mentor to help them to, to, you know, coach them to get there. Or they don't seek out what do people who have been successful within the sport do to be successful. Um, And so first things first, decide. And then the second thing would be to act, to actually throw yourself into action. And, um, a lot of times people are really scared because they don't know where to start. Um, do you hire a coach first? Do you mm-hmm. have to drop the weight first? Do you put on the muscle first? What do you do, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just start. Start somewhere. Talk to somebody um, and, and hire somebody who knows what they're, what they're doing. Um, I had start. a family member recently that reached out. Uh, she's overweight, and she wanted to, to lose weight. And she was like, well, what do you have at the store? I said, well, before we get there, I said, can you go for a walk five days a week? Like, can you just do that, you know, and mm-hmm. log your steps? I said, if you can do that, I can help you. If you can't do that, I can't help you. She's like, well, what pills do you have? <laughs> Listen, like, mm-hmm. can you just go for a walk? Take your dog, take your baby, go for a walk, you know, do whatever. Um, but, like, I, I feel like that's, like, also the, a good, like, first starting point. It's just, like, getting some movement in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't expect to just go right to supp- supplementation and expect to be a bodybuilder. That's just not how it works even for people who are successful. <laughs> it's just not how it works at all. It's not how the science works. Um, you have to be doing all of the right things um, through time 
like not just a couple days it's consistency and meeting yourself with that consistency every day um, and trying to be better than you were the day before that's really all that it is yeah and like like you said it's all day long so that's something for people to consider like i like you brought up um following people that do it you know with youtube nowadays you can literally watch so many bodybuilders their day what they eat their whole life is on youtube now you know, if you want to do it before you do, look at that. Because you brought it up. It's like you wake up, everything you consume throughout the day, your energy levels, how you sleep. To do it and, and to actually compete, not just, it's, and we're talking about bodybuilding, not just looking better, you know. It's to do all that, it's a full time job. Oh, yeah, right? it is yeah. full blown lifestyle. Yep. Um, it has to be. If you are part time in bodybuilding, you're not going to be successful. It really does require, um, it requires the, the mental side. It requires being there like presently when you're training, like you can go through the motions, right? You can go to the gym, you can go through the motions or you can grind out those motherfucking reps that you don't think that you can go there, but you go there anyway. Right. So there's like, there's levels to this. But how good does that feel? Like when you, when you get there and, and you know, you don't want to, or you're having a, a tired day and then you punch out that set, like how good does it feel? I'll, I'll say every workout that, uh, I think I'm going to have a shitty workout in ends up being my best workout every time. Yeah. Um, so it's always those moments where it's like you have that doubt and you push through that doubt that you really need that. Um, cause usually the doubt comes from i mean the doubt always comes from up here right so what happens when you work out is your body actually releases those endorphins and you actually feel really good <laughs> i listen to a ton of weird audiobooks like that's my thing uh one of the ones i was um listening to recently talked about when <clears throat> when people are very intense at one thing they cannot hold that intensity in others right and what they did was a, a study with um, restricting calories on people and what they found is like they had a higher chance of um, you know decreasing productivity at their job they had a higher chance of you know cheating on their spouse they had a higher chance of like all this stuff right because it, it's super difficult to to go to one extreme and just do anything else um, being a mom like you're in demand like how do you do that well, what I will say is the mom button never turns off. Um, so that is a part of my identity. Um, that part doesn't, doesn't ever go away. Um, but what you do is you find creative ways to make it work. Um, and so you troubleshoot. You become a professional troubleshooter, right? You, if you're successful in, within this realm, right? Um, there are some parents that don't necessarily do this and they don't necessarily have the success. But if you're able to find the balance... This is a this is a hard sport. It's a hard sport without kids. If you have kids or young kids at that, um, they require <laughs> attention and they yeah. require a lot of um, interaction. And there are days where energy is at an all time low. And we got cranky kids who are at an all time high who need to eat and be bathed and want to play and need your love. And um, those things don't come secondary to bodybuilding. Not to me. Um, so my daughter is number one. Um, but does that mean that my bodybuilding takes a backseat? Fuck no. No, it means I make it work. It means I find the ways to make it work. Um, so for example, 
Uh, my daughter, she has to be at school 930 in the morning. Um, and so in the mornings, I wake up with her and I will take her over and I'll do my fasted cardio. I pay for the child care there. We do that, do that and come home, have some breakfast. And then I get her to school. I've had other people with the exact same situation tell me, oh, I can't do my cardio in the morning because I have to get my daughter ready for school and I don't have any help and I got to do X, Y, and Z. Okay, well, you could wake up an hour earlier. It's not that hard. I mean, so our daughter, um, Danielle and I's daughter is just about six months. She'll be six months in a couple days. And uh, I'm not a huge cardio person. Like, I I don't enjoy it personally. Uh, And then when I want to do it, I feel like where we have the treadmill will, like, maybe wake them up because I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. So, like, I don't want to do it then. Um, But every day I go for a walk. I put her in the shower. I go for a walk. Right? So, like, we're doing that when it was cold. We're doing it now. We'll do it again in six months. We'll probably do it again in 18 months. Um, you know, we have the little cart that hooks up to the bicycle. And Danielle will take her and put her in the, you know, the back cart. It's like a, it's basically like a jogging stroller, but mm-hmm. for the bike. Um, and what has happened is, like, activeness and, like, activity levels have become our lifestyle. Like, we're only six months into this, and our daughter loves being outside. When we were at the beach, like, she loved the wind being in her hair. She loved when we were putting her feet in the water. She loved, like, just sitting there and, uh, you know, the waves coming up to us and all that stuff. Um, And I just feel like just going and just taking that first step can, like, really change family dynamics. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times what can happen, too, is people just, they talk themselves out of being active. And they say, oh, you know, I can't do this because I have all these other things that I have to take care of. And then they don't end up being active. But what you just said is, you know, you're not a big cardio person, but you found ways to incorporate activity into your into your life. And now what I'm hearing is that it's an integral part of your family dynamic. And to be able to have that and to share that with your wife and is it your daughter? Yeah. Um, And your daughter is an amazing thing and now you're also leading by example like you're becoming your superhero you know for for your daughter and for your family and it's an overall quality of life that you know I I think is a gift to be able to give to a child um do you do any like outside of bodybuilding like any activity I mean if you ask me to do anything active my answer is gonna be yeah. yeah um it's not like I have one thing that I go to um but I, I love being active in the general sense. So if somebody was like, hey, like, you know, we're going hiking. Do you want to come with us? I'd be like, yeah, sure. You know, so I just, I don't like to, I don't like to stay stagnant. Um, I need to have something so I'm working body. on. you are a busy body. Yeah, I guess I am. I guess I am. <laughs> I am a busy body. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you like look up to? So yeah. Nicole Wilkins was my, uh, was who got me into mm-hmm. bodybuilding, into figure. That was my, like, who enticed me. Um, and then Sid, who is the five-time reigning champ right now, um, holding the Olympian title, uh, she's what kept me in love with it. Um, and so that's, that's also one of the reasons why I stuck with figures because like my, my foundational love for bodybuilding started with these idols in figure. Um, so Yeah. It's, and now it's, you know, I, I, I follow a plethora of individuals who, I mean, mostly Olympians. Um, I'm of the mindset of if you're going to watch people, make sure you're watching the right people, you know, so don't watch somebody who's doing something wrong or not successful if you want to be successful. Um, so I just try and identify who those people are and what they're doing and 
follow them through their journeys. Do you think like turning pro opened up like access to some of these people? Sure. Sure. Right. Because like you're part yeah. of like an elite group now. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's the, the amazing thing about when I was at the New York pro is seeing people that I never thought that I would even have a conversation with or talk to them. And now I'm standing on stage with them. Mm-hmm. Like actually have goosebumps thinking about did it right now. Because any it's, of them? I actually did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. A couple of them, yeah. um, which is humbling and amazing all at the same time um and also builds that hunger too because it's just like running with them right um and for a long time you know I wasn't always a professional right so like this is like a dream that has come to fruition and is continuing on its trajectory um and it's just it's sometimes a little um take I get a little taken back sometimes it's like wow this is like where I'm where I am and what I'm doing and um it's just it's a really humbling uh, endeavor that I'm in <laughs> this journey. You ever have to have like self talks, like <laughs> all <yeah>. the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you look at these people, right, and you idolize it. And Instagram makes it so easy to idolize all these oh, other yeah. people. But then, you know, when you're sitting on stage and you you came in sixth place at arguably what the third biggest show in the in the country, um, you have to sit there and look around and say like, why not me? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think something that that happens a lot when, especially when people start to get clout, as they say, um, is they step into what's known as the imposter syndrome. They start to tell themselves, like, I'm not worthy of this. I don't, I'm not at this level. This isn't me. This is like, my idols are here. And they start allowing this doubt to creep in and swirl. And it, it happens to everybody. Um, it's not something that I don't think anybody is like immune to, but it's whether or not you overcome those thoughts whether or not you choose to give those thoughts recognition or power over you or whether you, you just observe them and let them go by and be like, yeah, you know what? Fuck that. I am here and I am running with them and I am competing with them. Um, and when you take that mindset and you run with it, what can happen? Fuck around and find out. <laughs> it gives you a chip on your shoulder though, right? A, a chip bit. on your shoulder, meaning yeah, like in a positive way, like oh, it yeah. gives you like a strength, right? Oh, yeah. For like sure. I, I felt I felt that when I was restricting calories, right? It's like I'm working, you know, 12, 13 hour days. I'm going, I'm waking up earlier and earlier and earlier. I'm still getting my workouts in. I'm still, you know, staying compliant with my diet. I'm still giving my daughter 100% of my time when I'm with her. Um, you know, we're still doing all this stuff. And I'm, it makes you feel invincible when you stay like that compliant to your life. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you get that feeling. I do. Well, and I think something for me that's like really significant with what you just said is it, it's keeping those promises to yourself. So um, you're not relying on anybody else. You're showing up for you. And when you hit those milestones that you set for yourself, um, you're building trust with yourself. So you're like, oh, yeah, I can do this. It's like that self-propelling momentum, if that makes sense. No, that definitely clicks. Yeah. Yeah. So you did you get imposter syndrome syndrome when like you were on stage? You're up there with people that you're following. You're there. Is that did that happen to you or? Not on stage. Um, I always have, and this is like, I'm a very mental, um, mentally oriented person on show day. Um, Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not going to change your physique really. I mean, a little bit with water and stuff like that, but you're not really going to change your physique much. It's, it's, it's up here, right? Mm -hmm. How you show up, how you display that package. It all comes from a place of confidence or lack thereof. Um, And people can feel that. So, for me, part of being ready to step on stage is being mentally ready. Um, 
that journey even starts a couple weeks before. I mean, it's the entire prep is is a mental journey, but especially coming in to the show mm-hmm. um, and seeing like people walk past you that you're like, holy shit, like I'm competing against that person yeah. and I've been following them for how long? Like yeah. pretty wild. Um, and yeah, I had little moments of like, whoa, where are we at here? Um, but quickly it, reeling it back in. Um, Cause that's, to me, it's, a, it's at the forefront of my prep is being able to have the mental um, control, if mm. that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Do you think uh, women's bodybuilding is growing? And, and I'm including like figure physique, not just specifically women's bodybuilding, but like, do you think it's growing or shrinking? I think it's growing. Yeah. I think it's growing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think some divisions are shrinking while other divisions are growing. Um, but females as a whole, um, I mean, I think that it's <laughs> over the past like couple years, all of a sudden it's like a trend for, for girls to be strong. So it's like, you yeah, know, like this... traps on a girl is like, yeah, cool. Yeah. You're like, hell yeah. When you see that, it's funny. Cause you know, locally, at least a lot of people are complaining that men's bodybuilding is dying. Right. Um, you know, we had a guy that worked for me that was competing in, um, <clears throat> I guess like the 176 weight class for men. He's a pretty big dude, but he really sucked down. And, um, you know, he, he did two shows and he won his class both time. He was one of one. Like, that's not fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's doing this prep cause he wants to beat people right. and he looked great. He looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, but like a lot of people are complaining that men's bodybuilding is dying. So I was just curious on, I, I see a rising women and I see, a, a you know, the men coming down as far as like the volume of competitors. Um, but I, I also pay attention to powerlifting and I feel like that's gone in a similar direction as well. With um, women? yeah, it just, yeah. I, I feel like, uh, it, it's, it's either at least a lot more equal or just more women are competing now. It's it's crazy the women in powerlifting these days, like the numbers that they're ha- they're pulling and oh, they're so strong across it too. Yeah. holy cow! Yeah. yeah, it's very impressive, very yeah. very impressive. And it's new, right? Like strong women, kind of no. It, Not strength wise. I mean, like you know what I mean. But like, like it's, trending because of Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah trending, trending exactly. Yeah, yeah because yeah. of Instagram, it's like women lifting weights. It's like an, it's like kind of like new to everyone. Well, it's I funny. I, I saw a meme that was like, and it's just a you know, <clears throat> little quote meme that it was like, hey, like when did all the girls get together and say, decide to be strong? Like, yeah, <laughs> just, exactly. Just wake up one day and be like, yeah, we're going yeah, like, to lift some weight. <laughs> yeah, like if you scroll down like my Instagram, like I'm going to see there's going to be like multiple women that are deadlifting over 400 pounds come up on my screen. You know what I mean? And it's just I think like, that's all your Instagram <laughs> Well, no, it's, 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 it's everyone lifting, not just women, but I'm saying it's Yeah, like, okay. It is, it's, but it's just like, I don't know, like you said, it's like, it's trending. It's I like, think CrossFit helped, it helped accelerate Oh, that. yeah, like, for sure. You know, the, the women yeah. don't wear a lot of clothes, right? They show off their muscles, and it just they're became ripped. incredibly cool. And, like, sometimes when you see some of the girls, and they're just in a sports bra and shorts, like, they could be bodybuilders. Like, they're not that far off, some of them. Yeah, no. Yeah, they're pretty jacked. Not so like you jacked. Speaking, yeah, 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 yeah. But what? What? Can I say? What was your hardest body part to grow? Um, legs are always hard. Okay. Um, they don't come naturally big and lean mm-hmm. uh, on me, so it takes a lot of work for me to get them lean, um, and to also keep size while keeping right. them lean. Um, so that's actually one of the areas that I'm going to be working on for my next uh, in my next off season, which I'm going into right now uh is to grow the legs a little bit more uh specifically from the posterior side hamstrings glutes Mm -hmm. are you 
are you trying to enhance your legs through volume, through weight, like through just frequency? Like how are you? All of the above, baby. So how many, days, how many days a week are you going to train legs? Um, tra- how many days am I training legs specifically? Yeah. Um, break it into probably about three different leg days, but it's not full leg days. So uh, one day is like very um, hamstring and, and uh, glute focused, whereas another would be quad focused. And then the third one is uh, full leg. Why are you doing it that way? Overall volume, um, frequency, and just recovery time. Now, each individual workout is a little bit different. Um, So I may be pushing a little bit more volume one of the days, whereas another day I might be pushing a little bit more weight. Um, There's different ways to stack it, but I try to keep my body guessing um, and just fueling my body with the right foods. Um, It really comes from the food side. Uh, the training is very, very important, but without the food, the body won't respond the way that I want it to. So, uh, just curious, like, what are your ranges for rep ranges? Like, if I'm that, trying to grow, well, yeah, let's say like your heavy day and then like your higher volume day, like how far apart are your rep ranges? Sure, sure. So, like my uh, heavier day, um, I, I always do a warm up set where I do higher reps just for the first set to push maybe about yeah just to push some blood through um get all the nutrients where i need it to be and then to uh to lock it in so i'll do about like 20 to 25 reps uh, maybe like one to two sets of that and then i'll go into my working sets of a lot of times it's like eight by eights um so i'll do like eight sets of eight or at the same weight are you increasing weight each set depends on the exercise and what i'm doing but i like to incorporate progressive overload anywhere i can um, so if it's possible for me to go up and wait, um, then I do. If I am going up and wait and I'm doing eight by eights and every single time I'm going up kind of tells me that I wasn't at the right starting weight. So I try to find the weight that is like, uh, I might not be able to go up from here. And then I go up. If that makes sense. Yeah. But, <laughs> you're, but you're doing eight sets, right? So like if, if you, <clears throat> what are your increments at then? Like, are you only going up two and a half pounds or are you going up like... It depends on the on the body part. So if I'm doing like rear delts, it might have a completely different, um, rep, you know, uh, incremental increase than if I'm doing like glutes or like quads or something like a bigger muscle group. Yeah, but if you're, <clears throat> if you're doing eight sets and let's say you peak at like your fourth set, right? You, you hit your heaviest weight, you did eight reps... <clears throat> What are you doing for the next three? If I can't go higher, then I just stay where I am. Even if you don't get the eight reps? If I, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I get the eight reps every You day. find a way. I find a way. Um, and that's a difference. Okay. <laughs> that's the secret. <laughs> yep, that's the secret. You just don't. Yeah. And, and if you're reaching a point of failure, um, then either take a second and get those last couple, couple reps in um, or you know, bring the weight down to make sure that you're, that you're hitting, hitting the volume, the total volume. Um, but I, uh, I'm a stubborn person, so I don't ever really back my weight down unless I feel like I'm the, on the verge of like injury. Um, I, I, yeah, it's like a, <laughs> a me versus me thing, if that makes sense. For some reason, there's some stuff that <clears throat> just doesn't click for me for a long period of time. And in 2019, we had John Meadows here. And uh, I got to pick him up from the airport. So I got to spend a lot of time in the car. We had traffic on 95. So we're talking about all these things. And the one thing we were talking about was training frequency. And like when I don't power lift, which I haven't for a bunch of years, uh, I would do like a leg day, back day, a chest day, and then like maybe a shoulder day. And that was it. And John kept saying, you have to hit things twice a week. 
after them twice a week, right? And like, eh, you know, I know I should have listened to them then, but it just for me, whether it was like me t- making an excuse saying I didn't have enough time to do it, or just being lazy in the programming and not finding a way, like mm-hmm. you can do chest back twice, right? Like mm-hmm. why not? Um, but that has helped me a ton, uh, you know, increasing frequency. Um, but like even my recovery's way better now. Uh, I feel like because you're not just spending an hour and a half just damaging one muscle group to where you're just sidelined for an entire week. Um, you know, it, it's helped me a ton. I, and I enjoy the training way like that way a lot more. Well, I think, too, that it helps with the recovery massively when you're pushing blood into that muscle more than once a week. So maybe you're pushing you're, you're breaking the muscle down and like a really heavy workout. But that second time you hit it, I think the 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 precedence is in the blood flow. Yeah. Because what's happening is it's allowing your body to remove all of the waste, as they call it, the, all of the you know chemicals that are just built up, the lactic acid, mm-hmm. all of that shit. And it gets it out, and you're pushing the nutrients and the supplements that you're using and the food and everything in your blood to that muscle again. Yeah. And, and then training on top of it, right? And then breaking that down and repeating that process. So yeah. I think that it really comes down to total volume in a week. Um, how you do it, whether or not it's, um, how many days you're working or how many sets you're doing or reps or, you know, whatever. I think it's just total volume, um, and your body's like ability to be adapted to it or, or not. No, I agree. I, yeah. You got anything? I know you Um, wanted to talk about, uh, being a, a good looking girl in bodybuilding and the internet existing. (laughs) How do you handle all the weird shit? Oh. <laughs> that is that's a great question and I, I it's it's funny because i get this question a lot um yeah, can we like read your dms we, right we, well when, when we when we that post when we <laughs> when we post like pictures of you i don't know if rebecca sees it but like weird comments start mm-hmm. coming through weird messages and it used to happen with nikki too it happens more on like youtube um but instagram like i had to delete like 20 comments um on the one thing we posted of you like it's just really weird shit so how do you deal with that so first of all um it i don't let it affect me um it's one of those things where it comes with the territory and so um you know i don't sit there and i re- read through them um i, I don't no uh, it's once in a while. If I would. I'm like, I feel hey, like it's like a car accident. Like you have this. to look. You know, let's see what's going on. <laughs> Every once in a while, you t- you know take a look, and you know, you get both sides of the spectrum. You get people who are rooting for you. You get people who are doing the throw up faces and everything yeah. in between. And so, um, it's the internet. What do you expect? You know, you start you start getting uh, more recognition and more publicity. You're gonna have a diversified audience. Um, but here's the thing about that: is all great companies and all successful whoever have a diversified audience. They polarize their audience, right? Think about Coke and Pepsi, Apple and Android, right? So granted, this is Ashley and nobody, (laughs) this is Ashley here, but the the idea here is that like my audience or whoever is taking the time out of their lives to write on, you know, a post, for example, they start to interact with each other. I get people who are rooting for me, standing up for me, and people who are anti-strong women or whatever it is and uh, feel triggered that they need to say something and then the two and they interact and guess what Ashley does nothing I don't interact with that because I'm busy training yeah I didn't even think about that we do get a lot of like the green faces Mm -hmm. you know the emojis and stuff and I I delete them too but uh yeah you know at the end of the day they're probably both following you 
and that's kind of weird in itself like people that hate you follow you yeah. and then people that love you follow you they yeah both want to watch you yeah it's um it's intriguing to me uh where i i'm intrigued by that more from the psychology side um i'm just curious it's like human nature like curious about what human nature in general like the um you know what you just said about people who are following me that maybe don't even like what i'm doing or they take the time to you know comment something like nasty or whatever on a picture um it's intriguing to me as to why why do they feel the need to do that if they, you know, um, it doesn't bother me. It's just like, that's how that you're spending your time. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I, I just think it's weird for somebody to post. Like, I just, I think social media in itself is weird and I still have like issues with it, but like, why go out of your way to like make somebody feel bad? Yeah, it's just strange. I'm sure we could sit here and psychoanalyze yeah, I mean, this you're, shit you're all You're not that kind of person, <laughs> so that's why you can't understand it. Yeah. 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 Well, and the thing, though, is that, like, you know, at the end of the day, somebody commenting something that's not positive is only a projection of their own insecurities. Right. And so knowing that, it doesn't affect me. Yeah. It only affects their time, not mine. I like to say so. in person. Like, I always tell Ryan, like, you're lazy and you have bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not com- – well, actually, I did comment on your Instagram. You reposted that the yeah, other day. He always be – he always slide in my DMs talking shit. I always do it from the company like one, sponsor, just right. so that way he doesn't know like who it is. Yeah. But like he I knows know it's who me. it is, dude. I know who it is. You're not tricking me. Yeah. <laughs> He's in prep for a powerlifting meet and he yeah. squats three inches high. Like, how do you do that? Was, like, you I you have tight. three jobs: squat, was, bench, deadlift. How do you fuck that up? I, I, I was very tight that day. Apparently, I I didn't stretch that week. I was busy. Do you stretch? I do. Yeah, yeah. not as much as I should. Um, but uh, it's something that is really, really important to my recovery process. Right. Yeah. I say not as much as I should because I just I always feel like I could stretch more. Um, I also don't usually skip it. It's just, you know. I'm thinking about yoga. Yeah. Listen, your hips could use it. Yeah. He's the biggest guy with the smallest hips. Like when you see big guys in powerlifting, they stand like a like an elephant or mm-hmm. rhino, you know. And uh, this guy, not quite. What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying you got weak hips, I have, man. like, a wide stance. Nah, dude, you stand with your feet together. Uh, <laughs> like a penguin. Okay. Uh, <laughs> can I... Do you have, like, a favorite cereal? A favorite cereal? Yeah. Uh, I'm not... If I, I can really... ask, like, just random like questions stuff. right now. I hear you, but I'm just asking. I'm curious. <laughs> Probably Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but I'm not a That's huge That's what I cereal. had in my ice cream. Yeah. That's why I was so fucking... I have yeah. Cinnamon Toast Crunch oatmeal. Dude, I felt diabetic afterwards, though. I'm like, sure. It's just too much. You have Cinnamon Toast Crunch oatmeal? Yeah, it's not that good, though. But it has like the cinnamon dust like packs to put on top of the oatmeal. So it's it was just at, sugar it was at and Sam's Club. Yeah. What? So it's just sugar and cinnamon that you're putting yeah, in your. Yeah, like I'm eating oatmeal, so it's like, <laughs> you know. You so you're feeling healthy. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What do you have? Like a favorite cheat meal? Uh, yes, but it's not really unhealthy. It's just a lot of food. Um, uh, sushi. Uh, yeah. I get I get those big yeah. um, big things of sushi. I, I really feel like I could eat like unlimited yeah. amounts. Sushi is good. That's mm-hmm. how I feel about steak. Like a good cooked steak. Uh, that's all that I need in this world. Yeah, like, that's I how I feel. I don't need like in the general. sweets and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like I'm craving that right now. Just mm-hmm. thinking about it, like a salty grilled steak. Dude, it's weird. My whole life growing up, I was never a sweets guy. Like when the Easter Bunny came to my house, he'd bring beef jerky. That's awesome. That's so hard yeah. to believe. Nah, and like when I got older. I'm like, I don't know what it is. Like, now I'm like a freak for like donuts and shit. That's because you're a power lifter. Is that what I know. I, I think it's the culture. So, yeah. when it's I. the culture. When I started at Penn State, uh, I was really into bodybuilding, right? Like, Frank McGrath, Branch Warren, like, I thought they were 
Yeah. You know, the shit, the way they train, they were hardcore. Well, they are the shit. Well, yeah. Branch well, is the shit. Yeah. That's cool. I, I don't know either of them. <laughs> I don't know either uh, of them either, but I watch a lot of YouTube. Go on. But, uh, but I ate super clean. It was very easy for me. You know, if I wanted a cheat meal, you know, I had, I'd put a little bit of cheese in my eggs. Like, oh, that's cheese. that's what that mm. was. And uh, and then I joined yeah. powerlifting because this guy at the local YMCA said, oh, Penn State has a powerlifting team. Like, when you go up there, you should join. You're strong. And I'm like, okay. So I joined that team, and all we did as a team was eat shit and drink beer. <laughs> Like, that was it. Everybody's diet was absolutely atrocious. And then, like, I did that for, you know, about two years. And then uh, it just kind of, like, stuck with me. I mean, I was spending $250 a week at Sam's Club. I was drinking a gallon of whole chocolate milk every day. Every single day. I would, I would shit all over the wall. No. It, a gallon well, of chocolate so milk my roommate had IBS. <laughs> and then I, I have was, IBS. And then I was eating like that. So the oh, two of us man. were occupying the bathroom 24-7. Yeah. It was awful. Dude, that's another thing about getting older, because like now I'm 34. It's like things that I used to eat, oh. I can't eat anymore. Like you were talking about like healthy things. I'm talking about like buffalo wings. <laughs> like I can't eat buffalo wings anymore. Like it's like if I do, I have to prepare myself with like Tums, Prolisec OTC. Like I got a whole regimen for like the next day. Yeah. So age actually factors into that too, right? Oh, yeah. sure, sure. I think it's just your intestines like yelling yeah, at you for bro. all yeah. the years of abuse. <laughs> like, I don't even know what. Yeah, I'll say this: I I do uh, take rice better. I learned that that I do. Uh, I think everybody should experiment. You know, years yeah. ago when I actually used to post on Instagram and stuff, um, I found that white rice bloated me, so I switched yeah, to brown rice, and like I I had a noticeable difference, even though the macronutrients you know levels were mm -hmm. the exact same. I feel like everybody should do that. Yeah. Like, do you go they, to the gut doctor too, right? They They'll have, test it. They have testing yeah. that you can do, um, DNA testing, um, to see how switching, receptive Switching you're... rice is like two bucks, so. Switching rice? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Do it, yeah, do yeah, yeah. Should, hold on, listen, hear this out. This is good stuff. Go on. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah. I was just going to say that they're, they're, they have testing that... For, not just for rice, like for anything, really. Yeah. For like fats, what types of fats, like... Um, different types of food sources, like different food intolerances, and right. maybe not an intolerance, but how like receptive your body is to actually digesting it properly. Um, there's lo lots of different tests that could be. You could be like allergic to something, and it's like it's not so bad where like you're gonna have like an attack, but like when you eat it, like your body doesn't like like it, and you go get that. It's like a gut test, and they're like, oh, you digest this better, you know. Do you pay attention to like uh, like blood work monitors uh, or markers, like your cholesterol, your insulin sensitivity? Do you look at all that stuff? I get blood work done, and then I have a uh, specialist take a look at it and make sure that everything is in, in alignment. Um, so I'll do that each uh, off-season. Okay. Um, so you don't get it during when you're in prep, you won't get blood work? Not typically, um, because I make sure that my body is optimized prior to, be, to initiating the prep. Mm -hmm. um, if my body is not right, going into my prep then i need to get my body right first um yeah just out of curiosity like how much do you sleep in prep and versus off season i would probably say anywhere from like six to eight hours um but the closer that i get to a show it's a little weird like sometimes i'll sleep really hard and long because of how energetically depleted i am um but then other days like where we do like a strategic like fluctuation in carbs for example like a, a carb you know high carb day or something like that it may change my my sleep habits a bit but for the most part 
I mean, I try to go to bed before midnight and I wake up around like eight. So like, that's the life, you know, it is what it is. Sometimes a little bit earlier, sometimes a little bit later, depending on day to day, um, things. I have a pretty busy schedule, but you know, for the most part, just try to try to get my eight hours, (laughs) six at a minimum. I still think it's like severely underrated. And I remember, uh, posting something years ago, um, when a prominent person in, in bodybuilding, uh, created a supplement and they're like, you don't need sleep. Like take this. It has vitamins and caffeine in it. And, uh, I, me- I posted something on the internet and then they ended up seeing it and that didn't go over well. Cause I thought I was trashing their product, but mm. I was actually just trashing their marketing. Um, but aside from, you know, when I competed in powerlifting, uh, it was a natural federation, right? And all I had was sleep and food. Mm-hmm. I- I said natty. Yeah, yeah. I, I it goes just, again. Dude. The second time, <laughs> uh, but but that's that's all you have, right? Yeah, so absolutely. like, and and, and, and if you're if you're dialing dialing in your diet, like maybe you can manipulate your body's like insulin secretions, you know, to help with muscle growth and mm-hmm. timing and you know that kind of stuff. But like, you really have two tools in your arsenal. Oh yeah, and uh, sleep is just so valuable, and. I think if, if we were to, as a, like a bodybuilding society, even though I'm not in that group, mm-hmm. uh, if we were to focus on that, I think a lot of the health issues would subside. And I think people would look better too. Like overall, Definitely. I think, um, you know, their bodies look worn out at younger ages now. Um, you know, I still run into, you know, with the supplement company, we deal with a lot of like pro athletes and, you know, when I see some of the guys from the previous generation, you know, they still look really good. And I think it's because they focus on, like, the details like that. You know, they focus on their food quality. They focus on their sleep. You know, they focus on their controllables, right? And I don't think it beat them up as much when they entered, you know, the other stuff like the PEDs and all that stuff Mm -hmm. uh, as compared to today where we, you know, we drink 10 of these a day. You know, we're we're limiting water intake and, you know, we're eating more processed food than ever. So I think it all plays a part. Yeah, for sure. And running all those types of, like, stimulant type of – you know, whatever it is, whether it's these energy drinks, coffee, caffeine pills, whatever, um, that really wreaks havoc on like the body's adrenal system and the ability for your body to like fully recover. So when you try to source your energy from more natural places, like um, your food first, um, and then introduce supplements afterwards, that is a, a better approach, in my opinion. When people go straight for like all of the caffeine and then they're just like, I have no energy. So I just need to like down a million energy, energy drinks. And then they look like they have bags under their eyes and they're yeah. like almost like stringy looking because stop attacking not- me. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. He was at what? Like three bangs a day. No, I'm, I'm not a big bag. I was, um, I was at like three to four energy drinks a day. Damn yeah. dude. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's well, a lot. What I did was I cut back from like the 300 milligram ones to like the 200 milligram ones. And then, like, now I'm on, like, two to three a day. Yeah. It was bad. I would wake up, boom, 5 a.m., energy drink. 9 a.m., energy drink. Lunch, energy drink. On the way home, energy drink. And then I'd probably do, like, pre-workout. And I felt awful. Yeah, I'm I was getting, sure. like, anxiety. <laughs> <at the night. laughs> Surprise. I could, I could yeah. probably guess that. I was, like, laying there in bed. I was, like, I'm going to die. Like, I feel my heart beating. Because I'm overweight, too. So, it's, like, yeah. All right. I cut back. So one of the things that I that um, I started to do because there was a point where I think I was at you know back in the day consuming way too much caffeine um, and my sleep wasn't the best right and so cut back on caffeine my sleep started to fix itself 
what did I do for energy was I tried to source it from other areas. So first from my food, but then I introduced supplementation, but not caffeine supplementation, Mm -hmm. other ways to get that natural energy. So I'll do like mixed greens. And so as, as long as you're looking at like, you know, where you get it from and that it has the diversified micronutrient profile in it, a lot of times you can get energy from the micronutrients that are usually missing from your diet or something like that. And so when I started introducing the, uh, the powdered greens into my diet, like in a regular basis, I didn't require as much, um, caffeine because my body had the natural uh, vitamin B, um, B6, B12, B9, right. among all of the other vitamins that are mixed in with this like plethora of like micronutrients. But, um, man, what a, what a difference when you have, energy that comes from a place of health versus like a place of like let's just like run you on empty and your and workouts are happen. so much better so much like better I, I usually don't drink any caffeine before i work out because uh, it elevates my heart rate too much and it's you know it gets that uncontrollable range mm-hmm. and uh, i find find it to be counterproductive um but if i give myself like two days where i can just relax and maybe sleep a little bit because i go on caffeine benders just like he does and um but it, it only takes, for me, two days. And then I can completely reset. I went caffeine-free for, what, like a month, month and a half, two months? So so two days of sleep, and then, like, caffeine-free, like, diet sodas, or those, like, girly ice drinks. Sure. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's yeah. enough. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, a little bit of flavoring. It makes you feel like you're drinking an energy drink or coffee or whatever, and then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that hard. Yeah. I think people just have a crutch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at yeah, one that, point... That definitely, yeah. That's what it is. Because I want... Uh, you know, at some point you're not even feeling it, so you're just chasing something that's not even there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what <are> you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Stop looking at me. Oh, you were gonna say something. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm agreeing with you. Yes. Uh, just back to stretching real quick. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's clocked in the back of my head now, because this is stuff that so like, back to stretching. Uh, it's stuff that I'm like still putting in practice, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like fresh for me. Um, when do you stretch, and what type of stretching are you doing? So I experiment. I I try to stretch it multiple times a day. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning, and before I do anything, I try to put my body through like a full body stretch. Um, it's not long. It's like literally like five minutes. I just you know stretch. I get out of bed and I stretch. It's not that sure. wild, and no like serious blood flow going or anything like that. Just enough to like get the cobwebs out. Um, especially as you get a little older, it starts to hurt when you just wake up in the morning. <laughs> especially after chicken wings. Yeah. Um, oh. But I always try to make sure that I'm nice and warmed up before my workout. So I'll get a little bit of blood moving, doing some sort of like cardiovascular or something. Mm-hmm. And then I'll take some time to stretch after my, after I get just a little bit of blood flow. And, but before my lifting, that's when I usually take the time to, to do like a deep stretch. Um, the reason that I do it before my workout is because I, and I don't really have any scientific proof for this, but I feel as though I can get greater range of motion um, and greater muscle recruitment activation when in in my actual workouts when I pre-stimulate them and get that blood flow and that stretch and just kind of stimulate that mind-muscle connection as well. Um, it works for me very well. And then I try my best to do a nice little, like, um, cool down stretch session before I leave. That's usually hit or miss. Um, it's usually like very quick, like five minutes, not even. Um, and then I usually just do another, like run through my like stretch right before I go to sleep. Um, 
it's like not anything long or substantial. It's not like I'm doing like a full blown yoga session or anything like that. Um, but I do take those moments out of the day in the morning and at night to, to do that as well. Um, I just feel like crap if I don't, to be quite honest. I think the science points that um, you're going to decrease strength and you're going to increase risk of injury when you stretch before working out, especially a hard stretch. Um, So I didn't do that for a long time. And and I was also dealing with a lot of back and hip issues for a very long time. And what I found is, fuck the science, (laughs) right? Like, uh, yeah, there's probably a scientific reason why stretching before a workout makes me feel better. Uh, but I don't even care what that is. I just know it makes me feel better. Um, so like getting my body temperature up, right. And then stretching. And we've been, I, I've been having him do the adductor stretches. Have you been doing them? Yeah. Are they working for you? <laughs> That's not a comedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I don't know the name of what, what do you have? Well, you doing? remember those like the, side the lunges? lunges? Yeah. Yeah. yeah <clears throat> I'm doing the side lunges. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So adductor at me. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Well, there's yeah. different types of stretching too. Like there's right. dynamic stretching. There's mm-hmm. like yeah, that's slow, what I was long stretching. Like, and so there's different appropriatenesses, you know, of timing those. Um, I think where it can lead to injury is when you are not warmed up at all. You have no circulation and you go into a deep stretch, like cold. Right. Um, because that's where your muscles aren't warmed up. Right. And so what can happen is snap. <laughs> yeah. But that's why whenever I stretch before my workout, I always get a little bit of circulation going, just get that blood flow in there, warm the muscles up a little bit, then kind of just stretch them a little bit to preactivate and then go engage. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that you feel good doing that, especially if you get some blood flow going before you're, yeah, you're stretching. I, I have the hips of like an 80 year old. So it's very difficult You're for me always to like talking about hips. Listen, it, you've talked about hips like three times already. It's all on this episode. It's all on the hips. No, I talked about your hips. <laughs> your exactly. Hips That's not any hips. better. You're not helping <laughs> your yourself right terrible. now. But it, I can't even squat in the beginning of my workout. I have to mm-hmm. squat at the end yeah. uh, after I've you know already done all that stuff because I just can't get warmed up enough to get in the right position. Yeah. So I can relate. It takes me a very very long time to warm up. Um, very long time. But it's really important part like it's really only something that you can feel like, you know, when you're warmed up and then you're like, all right, I can get to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's the prime example of, you know, adapting your workouts to your body and the feedback that you're receiving as you're going. So, um, it was great having you here. We're not going to keep you all night. I, I'm sure that more and more people want to follow you. Are you doing YouTube or just Instagram? Like where would they find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram. Um, I don't have YouTube right now. Um, I'm just keeping everything on Instagram. It's you need a YouTube. <laughs> I was going to say that. Get a YouTube. You need perhaps, a YouTube. Perhaps yeah. we'll get something we going. Ryan wow. watches Evan Santapani cook, cook food. This is, this is, I do. You need a YouTube. Even Evan. If you, you ever see Evan? No. you no. never seen it. We, oh we had him down God, here twice. He's, he's the man. He's like the most he's, like anti-bodybuilding bodybuilder ever. Dude, uh, that's great. He's that's the great. man. You got to follow Evan. You'll oh. love him. Very yeah. handsome man. But like, a even if you yes. just make like a cooking channel, people will watch that. You know, I would watch <laughs> you cook. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, your Instagram handle is a Soden uh, and underscore IFBB Pro. Cool. All right, that's it. Thanks, guys.